Bitcoin 2022 was the largest Bitcoin conference in the world. And the second largest Bitcoin conference in the world will be Bitcoin 2023. I talked to Mike Germano, who is the man behind the entire thing, has been building Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin conference almost since the inception. He shared why they're Bitcoin only, why Bitcoin is so important, and what they're planning for the future. You guys do not want to miss this incredible conversation. That's dope. That's dope. You run, arguably, I think by any metric, the largest Bitcoin conference on planet Earth. Can you talk about how that happened in just a matter of three or four years? Yeah. Um, so once again, that's the Bitcoin conference. People even call it Bitcoin Miami, but you know we go by Bitcoin 2023. Um, look, I feel very fortunate enough. I got to be the president of the company, BTC Inc., that runs the conference and also runs Bitcoin Magazine. And so a lot of the success from the conference stems from you know, really being, I think, uh, uh, dealing, helping grow the Bitcoin community over many years and providing them with great content uh, uh, for what we've done on the on the on the magazine media side. Launching our conference in 2019, uh, the Bitcoin conference in 2019 in San Francisco. You know, you had less than 2,000 people, but the energy was there. It was great. 2020. You know, you go and obviously COVID hits and the world stops. Right. So you can't have a conference there. Uh, that's a problem. And then 2021, and I think a lot of the the, the growth for our conference is 2021, uh, everyone else, while they were all still willing to have a virtual conference, we were like, you know, fuck it, you know, l- l- let's, let's do this and went to Miami. So obviously California, which I think is still in lockdown and still doesn't let you do anything. <laughs> um, you know, we were lucky enough to go to Florida where they were, you know, cared about freedom, which was obviously core to what we were trying to do. And it really became such a celebration. I think we were the, one of the largest conferences in 2021 because it no was one was even willing to do it. Insane at Mana Winwood. I mean, it, it was even, I know being in the core of COVID there, but that was insane. I know for a fact beyond your own expectations because there are about twice as many people as that venue fit trying to get in. Absolutely. So, you know, we had fire marshals. We were we were bursting at the seams there. And really, I think that put a such a great energy within our company, knowing that we had done the right thing, you know, focusing on Bitcoin only and being able to, you know, put on this conference when once again, a million things could have gone wrong. You know, we could have lost our, I don't know, another COVID wave could have went through and could have lost the license to host the event. I mean, so there was one of those classic high risk, high rewards, Uh, obviously 2021, then 2022 moved it to Miami Beach Convention Center, where we had 27,000 attendees. And those are real attendees. Those aren't like Sean Spicer uh, uh, attendee (laughs) announcements that the other conference makes. These are like real numbers. Um, And so, you know, uh, look, I... It's a lot of pressure and stress, and we have an unbelievable team that obviously does the majority of the uh, of the work to make this all possible. Um, but you know, it's uh, the people set high expectations, and and we set high expectations for ourselves. And it's not just a Bitcoin conference. I mean, I feel like it's a total freedom conference. So while we might not be talking about other altcoins or blockchain technology, you know, we're talking about the freedom and 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 I think uh, uh, making sure that you are uh, a permissionless fun uh, um, company culture. Yeah, last year I was recording podcasts on site and had no really concept for how big it was going to be, even though I had been at the Miami Beach Convention Center and I lived in Miami for for years. 
we'd schedule things back to back and then it'll be like a 20 minute walk across three terminals of JFK to get from place to place. That's how big it was for anyone who wasn't there. I mean, the scale was absurdly large and the energy was out of control. Well, th thank you. It's uh one of the, I think that was one of the negatives that people gave us. It was too big. Uh, so, you know, we have to first time in a convention center of that size. So I think what we've done is we've actually more, we've closed it in a little bit. Uh, so it's not as, uh, you don't have to go running around like the JFK airport, like you've stated, not like a scene from home alone. So it's going to be a little bit closer. Uh, the energy is all going to be there. The expo hall is going to be uh, kind of very exciting. And, you know, with some big speakers and, and even bigger ones to announce. How much do you think the success of, your conference and other conference is determined strictly by the price of Bitcoin at the given time when people are buying tickets. I mean, I'm supposed to pretend like it isn't as big of an issue as it is. I'm supposed to send, say that people are going to come anyway, but the price does impact it. And, mm -hmm. and I, I'm always curious that the attention, because the price is, is high, that people want to learn about it or that Bitcoiners are like feel a little bit more willing to spend because you know the Bitcoin the Bitcoin price is high, but it does, it does impact it. So you know, for example, we might not expect this conference to be as big as last year's, right? And that's right. okay. Yeah, once again, you can't double in size every you know every year, but so we'll you know by this year we'll start to be able to calculate actually how much the price does impact uh, attendance. So you guys obviously, as you said, are a voice for freedom way beyond just just Bitcoin and anyone who's read the magazine or been to the conferences clearly understands that. Can you give any sort of preview as to what we might see in 2023? I've seen, you know, David on Twitter challenging Greenpeace to uh, energy debate and some pretty uh, yeah. contentious uh, comments surrounding that. I mean, are things like that going to happen this year? Because it does seem like you're trending more towards the general freedom side. Yeah, I think especially even 2021 when we didn't require vax cards or face masks. Um, and, you know, that was the biggest report from traditional media was like, oh, my gosh, they're not allowing masks, you know, and super we're like, spreader event. Right? Yeah, yeah like super, you had the super spreader time. Yeah. Yeah. No one died of nothing happened. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, leaning into the the freedom side has always, I think. Not just David, our CEO, is something that he obviously cares a lot about, but it's something that all the employees of the companies care about. Bitcoiners come in all different, are in it for all different reasons, but I think freedom is fundamentally a big part of it. So that kind of just bleeds through to the conference itself. You know, I think last year, uh, you know, we had some of the people from the Canadian truckers come and he got on stage and everyone was clapping. And he just he said recently, I think in a podcast, he was like, it was one of the coolest moments of his life because, you know, he was he was sitting there around other people he could tell actually cared about these things. Um, so we think that that's something that resonates with our our crowds, a good overlap. So, you know, I don't think you can go wrong on the on the freedom side. Obviously, you want to balance it out. You don't want just freedom for freedom's sake. And where does that tie into Bitcoin? So we'll lean into that. but. Um, you know, look, another big thing is let's think about all the companies that right actually, I mean, right after our conference is when people started going under and, uh, you know, everything from Celsius to Voyager from FTX. So, you know, I think we need to have like a Sarah McLaughlin playing like I will remember you and just have like a black and white memoriam to all the all the companies that we lost. Um, so it'll it and people are angry and people want answers. So, you know, being able to, I think, also program some panels to discuss what what went wrong um, and how, how to hold it accountable. So I think that there's, you know, bear market building year, a little bit of anger, you know, uh, uh, there'll be some, I think, a little bit more interesting uh, conversation debate.
Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. You guys are also the kings of massive announcements, and I know you're not going to hint at what's going to come, but I would like to assume that you are going to have some big things happening. Yeah, look, it's I think another uh, it's it's strange, right? Because we're even though we can call ourselves the Bitcoin Conference, obviously we're not Bitcoin, but the traditional press thinks we are. So you know, look, there's a lot more tr- uh, press at our event than any other. And it's because they think, well, this is the Bitcoin conference, you know, and I'm like, I don't have time to explain this to you. And uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, you have a lot of the traditional press coming. That's terrific. You know, and, and there's a lot of coverage there. That also then leads to people who are willing to make those announcements. Obviously, we're most famous for, you know, President Bukele in El Salvador. Um, you know, I, I think that we are definitely the platform for any country to make an announcement. Um, we are also the platform for if you think about it, more the mainstream companies that want to, which I'm excited about because it's mainstream companies that are looking at Bitcoin or saying, hey, this is a consumer base that I not only want to attract, but a group of, you know, their values are values that we share as a company. So we want to start to uh, interacting with them. And and once again, part of that is just number one, accepting Bitcoin uh, uh, before Bitcoiners can try to accept you. So that that part of it, you know, we're really primed to make those those big announcements and have those stages and and uh, you, you'll, I think you'll be happy with some of the announcements that we have coming. It's crazy that that El Salvador announcement was two years ago. I was obviously there. Uh, it was, wow. It was really powerful and, and incredible, even as we were sort of like price was wobbling at that point too. That was two years ago, yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was it. That was it, man. But are you surprised that we haven't seen more nation state adoption since then? Because I think uh, on that day, everyone was like, it's happening. The entire world's going to accept Bitcoin next month. And yeah. kind of a whimper. Well, look, I was <clears throat> I was down in El Salvador a week after that announcement. And that's when, you know, I, I'll never forget. We were down at the one of the, I think, the nicer hotel. There's the one main hotel that they they have you. And we were part of a delegation. And, you know, it was it was like something out of a cartoon where there was like a guy reading a newspaper with like Oakley glasses looking like he was in some like federal, you know, agency just kind of randomly sitting there vacationing by himself in El Salvador, listening in. And it was it was kind of eerie in terms of I think that uh, and I remember like talking with everyone being like, hey, we shouldn't really talk around these people. You know, who the who the hell knows who these people are? And when we were down there, I think what was it? The World Bank or one of the other groups pulled a billion IMF dollars. The World Bank, yeah, yeah, IMF. Yeah. And you're just sitting there and you're and you're like hearing this like, oh, we're pulling our funding because of the scary Bitcoin and look, they're trying the best that they can to make an example out of El Salvador. That would scare me. I mean, if I'm a country that I understand why that's scary. Now, on on, on the other side, and President Bukele wrote a nice op-ed for one of our print magazines, um, talking about just the tourism that's brought, the people that want to go there. I mean, the economic benefit of just that versus, you know, maybe while, and he hasn't sold any Bitcoin, but the, the price of Bitcoin changing hasn't impacted them. It's not like that's bankrupt the country. In fact, it's really put them on the map. Who been who talked about El Salvador two years ago compared to now? Just look at the Google search term, you know, I mean, so uh, uh, other countries see that and they see once again, tourism as is actually a major driver here, right? Uh, uh, you know, they think and we have we have a, a Bitcoin kind of like our, our tour guide in our magazine, um, you know, where we go to these places, Bitcoiners want to go where they're accepted. And it's a different type of, you know, uh, experience. You enjoy it. Even, you know, even the even the Bitcoin jungle down Costa Rica. And now in terms of legal tender announcements, you know, uh, I think everyone's still looking at what's happening with El Salvador. But, you know, you have car, you have a, you have a couple of others. And, you know, we're making we're making that option. 
and and the fact that Joe Biden's going to screw it up for the U.S. dollar and everyone's kind of you know running away from it. I don't know. Maybe more people will start picking up Bitcoin. Maybe Joe Biden's really good for Bitcoin. Yeah, and legal tender is not the only kind right. of state, nation state ad adoption, right? So I mean, I think that was extremely excited, exciting, but it's a continuum of things that countries can do to welcome this technology. And actually, I mean, you could argue that outside of the United States, we're actually seeing some moves towards more friendly regulation and innovation and allowing, I know you guys are like Bitcoin only, but certainly for people building other things as well in, in the crypto space, they're going elsewhere. I mean, you and I met in Dubai, right? Right, right, right. Couldn't be 180 degrees more in attitude from the United States, which is really kind of shocking and sad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been sad. And if anything, actually impacted the conference that think about all the companies that are just leaving the U.S., right? They don't, yeah. they, 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 and and that's not good. And meanwhile, like you said before, we were in Dubai, where it was the Wild West, and people didn't have any regulations, right? And in terms of that whole region, as we were also meeting and, and, and having those discussions, there's a lot of events. There's a lot of crypto events, right? There's Bitcoin only is not really a, as much of a thing out there. You know, I think that Obviously, we're in Miami, and we we like that location is the friendliest in, in the U.S. But that's one of the reasons why we launched Bitcoin Amsterdam, and know we'll continue to grow our footprint is because we're going to have to go to other countries and other areas. Because once again, if we're having innovation leave the U.S., that's not going to be the best place to always kind of anchor. Talk about the decision to be Bitcoin only, because obviously it's a that's a pretty big decision, uh, especially in an industry that has so much tribalism, I guess, and contention between different communities. Um, and as a whole, probably not that big of a community, right? So obviously being segmented is, is a risk as well. You guys could open up and say, listen, we're doing literally everything and have 300,000 people in Miami. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. And look, I think it's one of the unique things about Miami is, and even in 2021, I mean, someone held like a, a shitcoin conference nearby and we were, and everyone was like, are you mad about this? I'm like, this is great. You know, their Solano can have their hacker house and and we want to encourage that, right? If we're truly freedom people, we want to encourage that. Now, we have to pay all the money to 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 get all the speakers, to make all the event that attracts all the other companies. They don't buy our tickets. We don't see a penny off of it, right? But we want more people to have have that experience. We, you know, we, we don't mind if we are kind of this kind of anchor that brings in other companies. Uh, business wise, it's not it's not ideal, but if we're not going to accept them as sponsors and we turn down millions of dollars in sponsorships from other companies because we're Bitcoin only, they should have a right and a place to go. So, uh, uh, you know, I think Miami even said there was like another 30,000 people that came down that weren't part of our conference, you know, numbers oh, that this 100%. was additional. So it was, you know, that that's great. We're the Super Bowl and not, you know, not everyone gets a ticket to go inside the stadium, but a lot of people go down their party. So. That's good in terms of the decision. So, you know, to 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 be clear, obviously, the company with Bitcoin Magazine being the first in uh, uh, in the space, and you know, uh, a little dirty secret is obviously is the original founders of Bitcoin Magazine. You know, Vitalik and some others went on to go make Ethereum. So everything they learned, um, and you know, uh, our our company BTC Inc. Um, um, and our CEO David and Tyler, you know, they purchased out Bitcoin Magazine. Everyone at a time was flirting with other altcoins and such, but you know, Bitcoin Magazine stayed to just being about Bitcoin. Um, you know, our company. I, I joined. I met the guys in 2016, but didn't you know join till 2020. Um, um, you know, so the decision to make become Bitcoin only 2018 to just focus on that, not focus on any other anything else. 
it was a difficult one financially for the company, but it's really is the the biggest value our company has is being Bitcoin only. And I agree. Well, and while I'm someone who going back to freedom, I don't care, you know, what, you know, what coins you have or, or what you're advocating for. That's great. But there is a difference between Bitcoin and crypto. Now, not a lot of people want to say, but there is a difference and that's okay. Right. We have, you know, uh, uh, even within our own company, there's, you know, everyone is Bitcoin only, but we had the hardcore Bitcoin maxis to the like, well, I just find all this confusing and just want to focus on on Bitcoin, you know, on one crypto Bitcoin. We have we have a wide range within our company of how people feel about this. But but what it really has done is because we don't have to be everything to everyone, you know, if we were to do any other coins, we'd have to cover them all. So there's a proper fire break between Bitcoin and the rest, right? I can't just say, I hey, we're going to cover Bitcoin and Ethereum. Okay, well, no, no, just Bitcoin, the top five. Okay, uh, okay. so it's it's a proper fire break. Now, for me, uh, you know, obviously, and I'm not I'm obviously not a fan of the SEC, but who knows what some of these some of these tokens might be securities. That changes actually how we advertise. That changes a lot of things that we do on our end. That could be a problematic. Now, we're Bitcoin only, so... We're not going to be caught up in that. Um, we're allowed to be approved by some of the social platforms where they won't allow crypto advertising, but Bitcoin advertising is allowed. So we have access to certain other platforms that impact other companies. And most importantly, you know, where like Cointelegraph obviously gets more views than we do, that's not a question. So does Coindesk. But looking at why people are willing to either be contributors or go on our stage is that they know they're not going to be with any other altcoins and have to. Uh, 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 be next to that. They'll only be next to Bitcoin, right? That gives us a competitive advantage for the speakers that we have. That's the best. That's the reason why we have better speakers than everybody else. And because it's called Bitcoin, I hate to say it, but for the newbies and the new coiners who are coming in, they don't know the difference. They see Bitcoin Magazine, so they're like, "Okay, this is a Bitcoin thing. Got it." And they're willing to come to us. And the good news is, I'm not saying, "Hey, here's Bitcoin. Let me push it Bitcoin Cash." If you come to Bitcoin.com, it's like. Cool. We just want you to learn about Bitcoin. You want to go out and go do other things, do your rum springer of altcoins, go ahead, right? But like, we're just going to have, you know, the, the the Bitcoin side. So it, the name allows us, you know, the advantages that the name gives us, but also disadvantage where you can't, you know, trademark some of these things or copyright some of these right. things. But in, in general, it's like, you know, there's a reason why when you go globally, you see when you see icons and they say, except crypto, they call it Bitcoin. Right. So, I mean, it's the default name for for half the cryptos anyway, when people talk about it. So, you know, it's yeah. it's uh, it hurts us. It, it impacts the our sponsorship capabilities. Um, so we can't get the sponsors that we'd like. But to be very blunt, our long term vision is that, you know, we're just going to uh, Bitcoin is not just about the news and updates. It's going to be about culture. And people will remember that, you know, uh, I like to think people remember that if they start reading about Bitcoin on our site or our conference, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to let them down with Bitcoin. Uh, luckily, I don't have to be the ones who, and I don't mean this in a rude way, but, you know, if they were on Cointelegraph and they were reading about Luna being the best thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get completely rugged, how often are you going to continue to trust that 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 media outlet, right? And yeah, so, like, I don't... I, so, I, I can personally uh, vouch for that, right? I mean, I was uh, had had money on Voyager. I talked about it all the time, and here yep. we are, right? And so it uh, would have solved a lot of problems for me as well. I want to go back to and listen. You you live and learn, you know. Uh, and, and I'm still interested in a lot of other projects and coins, as everyone knows. But I've always taken the approach of Bitcoin and everything else, which is what you said. And I very publicly, 
I always sort of reference that Fidelity report, which had that exact mm-hmm. same sort of title. It said uh, Bitcoin first, I think. And then, you know, there's Bitcoin and a bunch of speculative VC investments. And speculative VC investments right. are cool, but they're not Bitcoin. Right. But you talked about sort of the continuum of maxis at your company, yep. which has to be massively challenging because we have all seen the tribalism of Bitcoin maximalists versus everyone else. But very few people have seen the granular level at which that tribalism works within the community. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of people who would be pissed off by what you just said about it's totally fine and free for Solana Hacker House to be next to us. And there's plenty of people I've seen who are literally cheering regulators and legislators cracking down at a violation of freedom just because they don't like it. And it all blows my mind. Yeah, it's uh, there's no doubt about it. Like, you're right. When you just think of Bitcoin maxis, you would think of our whole company. Well, they're just in the Bitcoin maxi bucket. And I look at it going, you're you have no idea the 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 spectrum that we have of, uh, of Bitcoiners, you know, ones that are, you know, I think every other project and every other person's a spook uh, uh, to, you know, uh, you know, to that to that extreme where everything's a scam. Everything's you, everything a scam. is a scam. Yeah. And everyone's a scammer. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, look, I think I think our comp- the, the biggest cheat code our company has at BTC Inc. is that our company culture is Bitcoin. Right. Like that you I've worked at a bunch of companies that, you know, and, and I understand the company culture. We all believe in, in Bitcoin as our fundamental. So we're easy to have conversations with the different ranging of opinions. So for example, ordinals, something like ordinals coming in. That is a rift within the, you know, that is a rift within the company. And the difference is because I guess we all know we're Bitcoiners, there's a certain respect level there. So some people in the company are like hardcore, this is so exciting. Let let let's spend time on it. Others are like, you know, uh uh, uh ordinals are shit coin, you know. So it but at the end of the day, I think since we have a lot of respect for each other, I think it's easier for our Maxi community group. I don't know if we were all at a bar and didn't work together, if there would be bar fights uh, uh, between <laughs> people. Um, you know, I tend to, I err on the freedom side. So like you said before, where I'm like, hey, if you want to have other coins, that's up to you. Um, I personally don't. Um, um, they don't want to hear that. They don't want me to like even give it, you know, uh, breath. But, you know, like I said before, freedom of speech is my core principle. So anyone should have the right to do it. And Look, there's some innovations that happen on these projects. Like, that's a good thing. Why would we not? You know, that innovation is fine. I don't want to touch Bitcoin, right? I, you can prove things out. And, you know, what, what? let's look at what Lightning Labs and other things that have come from it. You know, Bitcoin has to move slow in that regards. So g- good. Test it out. See if it, it works or not. And maybe it could be a layer two down the road for, for, for that, Bitcoin. If it makes it, sense. It, exactly. What I was going to want to say, I mean, healthy competition is always a good thing. And we've seen a lot of the innovation that's happened on other chains and has or has not been successful lead to people building similar things that are very successful on Bitcoin. Right, taking a great idea from somewhere else and then building it on a better base layer. It's hard yeah, to I mean, argue that 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 was you know even if you don't agree with those protocols, it's nice to see them advance the ball or kick the can further you know ahead. And and look, and I think you brought up another point. Like, <clears throat> I'm not sure how much Bitcoiners should be cheering for regulation. It's it, it feels a little it's, weird to sit there. It's absurd. And cheer for regulation. Now I don't cheer for regulation. Uh, the only people I want to see you know do poorly would be Ripple. Uh, uh, because they are the biggest FUD funder, uh, uh, funders and screw them and Greenpeace. But, you know, I would say that I'm not cheering for regulation on, on, on anyone. Obviously, I don't want to see people get scammed because on the other side, people get scammed and they just say it's Bitcoin. The same way that like when That's someone gets true. robbed and they got their Rolex robbed, 
which it wasn't a Rolex, it was something else. It's the it's the word that gets placed. And think about how much that actually hurts the movement is every time someone does something stupid, buys something stupid that their friend said it was something stupid, wasn't even a real coin, right? They were sending some PayPal and they're like, oh, I bought Bitcoin and I lost, I got scammed. And then all of a sudden the next person goes, oh crap, they got scammed in Bitcoin. They didn't. They got, that was an altcoin on like some other scam artist thing. So the scams obviously impact us and we want to to minimize that, but obviously we just need to battle with, you know, kind of more transparency, what Bitcoin actually is. Well, I, I think that there's cheering sensible regulation, which is not what's happening. And, but then cheering like heavy handed, you know, I'm a hammer, everything is a nail, which nobody wants to see. I think in, in any industry who's, who's rational, I think there's plenty of people in the United States and beyond who would love a clear regulatory framework that yes. allowed for innovation. Yes. Yeah. That seems I mean, rational. <laughs> Can we get that? That would seem rational. But if you're, I mean, like, look, this is uh, the new crypto war is the war on drugs, right? And it's not supposed to make sense. And that is by design on their part. It really so why is, do you think like, that is? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. And that's the best uh, analogy I've heard for anyone, our, certainly who grew up in our generation and knows about the war on drugs and how rational it was and actually made for more drugs and more money for drug dealers, of course, but. Look, okay. The U the U S government is not incentivized to have this innovation happen because they, they, they aren't, it's not something they can control. It's good. It's, it, 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 it also impacts the, the U S dollar, even though we can make the arguments for what stable coins can do, but by being vague, by going off after random people, you create uncertainty, you create chaos, and therefore, companies aren't even willing to build in this space, right? Because why would you? Once again, they could put down, here's the regulations, here's how to build, great. And within three months, everyone has found a way around those regulations anyway. So if you just keep it vague and you can, you know, who knows, you could just be, you know, you could have the DEA be watching you for nine months, or you could have this happen, or we could decide, actually, this drug is a schedule one, so we'll break down your house, but this state will allow you to do this. And it's just because it's so vague, you make people not want to actually even test on it. You make people get nervous about using it. And really what you're doing is they're trying to put such a bad taste in the rest of the people's mouth who haven't entered crypto yet. Like you and I grew up with thinking like, oh my God, if I smoke a joint, my my brain is going to splatter like eggs, right? And it's a gateway drug. And then like, I'm going to die, right? And then you realize, you know, that's not the case. But, you know, they're going to try to turn Bitcoin and crypto into such a negative feeling that this is what criminals do. And, you know, it really just reminds me 100%. I'm just waiting for Nancy Reagan to tell me that I shouldn't use crypto. And I feel Dude, like that that's egg, what, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren's that egg, doing now. That egg commercial, this is drugs, this is your brain on drugs, and this rambles the egg. Any questions? Yep. That one, and I learned it from watching you, Dad. You know, yeah, when the dad that, walks in yeah. and catches the kid smoking. Uh, those are like you, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, so deeply like, ingrained, right? And once again, I mean, so the sad thing is, well, the good news for everyone's like, great. Well, the guys who put on the 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 war on drugs are putting on the war on crypto, and they failed at that. But the bad news is that just means it's just going to take even longer to you know Forever. for this to happen, and we're going to be and we're going to not be truthful. And we're seeing that out of Elizabeth Warren, right? We're seeing that of the politicians who are lying. We're just flat out being untruthful. And, you know, I think it's uh, the difference is that the war on drugs uh, didn't have the Internet, didn't have communities. And, you know, as much as I think people are nervous, uh, so I can understand why people get upset with Bitcoin maxis. 
the best thing is that this is an army horde that is going to take on everyone and is so resilient that they like feed off of you know uh, uh, of the pain so like they just want to go to war and that was uh, to be very blunt that's something that attracts me and why i'm bitcoin only is because it's the only fight that matters all this innovation is great the only fight that matters is bitcoin that's where that's where uh, that's why i'm excited about it because i like i like that i'm the street fighter type kid that i like a good battle you know, I like going against whether it's Greenpeace, Elizabeth Warren, you know, whatever whatever group that has to after, they're going to put their laser on Bitcoin first. And so it's up to us to kind of, you know, uh, uh, be defensive. And because there's no company for Bitcoin, we don't have millions of dollars, you know, from from the, you know, from some coin that we issued to be able to fund all this. So this is, you know, a community element at its most. And having to organize all those people that think completely differently and, and you know, is, is a challenge all in itself. But, you know, that's why I think this, you know, that's why we're uniquely positioned as a company to to try to help, whether it's uh, uh, to kind of communicate, organize these people and take on this fight. Are you implying that you are not scared of Elizabeth Warren's anti-crypto army? Uh, I think I think it's proper to call it a <laughs> tribe, an Indian tribe, her her their Indian tribe that she's putting together, um, um, you know. But like, once again, I'm not afraid of Elizabeth Warren. What I'm afraid of is and I'll be very honest and I deal with it from our end. The major brands that want to begin to accept crypto who become fearful of doing it because there is, you know, they're being told that we, Bitcoin uses more electricity than South America. And to they were boiling Bitcoin. the ocean. They were boiling the whole ocean. The whole ocean. And, and once again, you have a woke population that, you know, you can say things are, you know, environmental climate change is up, must be wrong, right? So you, we are getting improperly. Uh, uh, grouped into that. So I'm not scared of Elizabeth Warren. I'm just scared of the stupid tactics that they use because there's there's a group of, you know, there's a large population that's programmed to then say, oh, this has to be bad and we won't even have a conversation. Are you guys looking at or reporting on the Restrict Act? I mean, speaking of violations of freedom and vague language and opening the doors to absolute, like, Chinese tactics in the United States. Are you? I, I have to imagine, as a publication, as a media company, that you're taking a pretty serious look at this act. Yeah. So, from a personal side, you look at the Restrict Act, and it's you know, the government obviously does. It's almost like it's the same skit every time. Cool. TikTok is bad. Great. Let's make you know. Here's the Patriot Act. You know, and let's put our digital Patriot Act in play and everything that they could sweep into it. I'm very scared of that. So I'm yeah. I am scared of the Restrict Act. I do think that it is it is once again vague and broad and uncertain and all this, you know, to and that they can kind of put Bitcoin in it. The unique thing is I think they underestimate how many people are on TikTok that, you know, like they shouldn't have grouped it onto TikTok, right? Uh, if they maybe did it to OnlyFans or something else, they, they might have had more success. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. TikTok, like those people are not happy about it. So once again, I look at it as it's just another chance for us to kind of come into another army. Like, you know, we're, we're I guess this is the NATO side of things or or whatnot. I know we don't use military on Bitcoiners, not into military. But, you know, like this is this is just another group that uh, you can get connected with. Like, OK, TikTokers, we want to fight this, too, because we're afraid of of uh, uh, of what this legislation will allow them to do.
I mean, I was just literally talking to Balaji on Spaces before this, and he made the point. He was like, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. At least the last one was called the Patriot Act, and it was supposed to make you feel patriotic. And yay, America, this is literally called the Restrict Act. Like They named it exactly what it's going to do to you as an American. And the bill's only... 50 pages long or something. There's, It's not hidden language and a long document. It's literally like purposefully vague and opens anything, the door for- we want to get rid of, if we want to get rid of anything digitally that's bad for our country, like once again, it's, a, it's wokeism, right? It's just like, we want to all encompassing, get rid of bad things. We want to protect you from, we want to restrict the bad things from you. I mean, that's not a law. And it, look, it's- <laughs> It's it is absolute. It's absolutely frightening, and uh, uh, I don't. I think that they will absolutely u- utilize it against against crypto. And and you're right. They're not trying to hide it, which is which is which is the strange part. Yeah, I wonder if there will be a tipping point where they push too hard, and the world or the citizenry, the you know the average American pushes back. But so far, feels like really nobody cares about their privacy at all. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm more nervous that, you know, are they using this to kind of give us a CBDC or or whatnot? And and look, you're asking about our coverage and one of the things we're trying to improve. And, and once again, we have a print magazine that we, you know, have quarterly. What we're what we've kind of been evolving our space to do is, you know, that takes money to do investigative journalism, right? And 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 you know, there's there's commentary and then there's investigative journalism. Well, we went down to El Salvador. We didn't fly down there and just take a picture of a broken ATM and whatever. You know, we had our reporter down there for three straight months, two months before it happened and one month, you know, after. Um, that takes that takes investment, that takes time. And luckily for us, the print magazine itself gives people, uh, if they know they read something in print, they weren't expecting us to recap and write it up from yesterday, right? So it t- some of these stories actually take time to unfold. And so something like the Restrict Act is something that we already have journalists looking into. Okay, we're following this. We don't, it's sure there's some thought pieces that we can put on .com, but, you know, we're actually going to think about how we actually cover this. Uh, uh, and it might be four or five months before there could be an in-depth article. And by the way, investigation on our end into, okay, who's actually pushing this? Why are they, push, why are they pushing this? So uh, some of those things that, and we try to build that up more investigative journalism side of what we do. And I think that's really needed. And it, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to doc. And once again, I came from other media companies. It's a tough thing to be able to monetize or make that investment. But, you know, on, on our end, you know, that's something that we find to be uh, uh, valuable. And once again, it's Canadian trucker, you know, w- what they did, but that's five months later, but that's a time capsule for what this is. You know, that that's actually properly taking a look at and not just being reactive. Uh, you and I both worked at Vice, me for much shorter than you, but you obviously have a, a background in building from the ground up investigative journalism. Uh, they were arguably the best in the game at that for, for quite a long time, the same type of stories. How do you balance evergreen content that you're putting out quarterly, right? And making the magazine be hyper-relevant into the future, but also covering the day-to-day I'll call it nonsense because most of it's yeah. noise, but you still need to, if you're going to be a media organization in 2023, you kind of have to have a 24 seven approach, I would imagine. Yeah. It's, it's obviously a difficult balance that we keep going back and forth with. Uh, I think our Twitter handle is, you know, almost our platforms have a different editorial flow to them. So Twitter, that is news. That is commentary on things that are happening now. Right. 
so th that's where we, I think, provide the most values on the social value. We don't have obviously as much dot com, you know, uh, re reporting on the on the story so much because there is a lot of competition for that, right? So uh, that that's I think to, you know we don't monetize the Twitter side of this. You don't the dot com. You're gonna it's very difficult to monetize uh, and just always being in the kind of the clickbait or reactionary game. Um, luckily for us, we have the conference. So the dot com and social investment we make to get readers. That's actually our major marketing for our own conference. So that's how you can monetize off that. The Bitcoin Magazine Pro, which is a now financial analysis, that's a paid subscription that Dylan LeClaire and his team run, you know, so that can monetize the effort and the research reports that we put into there. And then really it's the um, um, print is going to be doing the long form uh, uh, journalism that now in terms of how we balance this. I think one of the unique things that we have that's different is since we've been around for over 10 years, we are the archive of Bitcoin. And one of the things we're doing is like, I have, you know, 23 former print issues that we're now digitizing that we're going to be republishing. Like, you know, I you can go through some of the old articles and it's like, here's Vitalik interviewing a guy named Brian Armstrong who's got this new website, Coinbase, and they're thinking about marketing awesome. someday, right? And you're like, and it's a time capsule. And so like, if Bitcoin does what we think it's going to do, it's going to be an important part of our of of humanity and, and and not just global commerce, but global connection. And well, we've been there from the beginning. So for us, I think there is a long, you know, we have a much longer term view that evergreen content, I think more is archive content, right? So evergreen can be, hey, what's the, how to use a hardware wallet? Great. Lots of guides is kind of evergreen. Some of this is, I treat it as an archive where I look at this going, wow, this is, we've captured a moment, whether that's El Salvador really understanding what was happening before and after, not just that one day. Um, and then keep talking about Bitcoin Beach, you know, so looking at it as an, as an archive, I think that that's the role we're going to have. And once again, a lot of the video we're recording now, you're not going to see for five or six years. Like when we went and, you know, we made the investment of like, of like, let's go to the Craig Wright trial and start recording that because this guy, you know, um, and I'm in the U.S., so I have a freedom of speech. But you know, I, I I believe that you know Craig Wright is not Satoshi, and I believe I share that, your yeah, belief, sir. I know. Okay. I share your belief. Uh, but you'd be surprised by how many media companies were just even nervous, you know, uh, uh, about doing this. And once again, you know, uh, obviously Hadlnot is someone who our company really cares about. And you know, I, I had a chance when I met him in person, realizing you know obviously how silly this all was, but. The best way to stop this was actually to kind of get recordings of this and to show how silly this was in a courthouse. And the truth was, CoinGeek Coin or whatever his uh, blog is that is fronts as a media company, they were the only ones that were going to be able to record in the courthouse. And so at Bitcoin Magazine, we had to fight. We had to go to legal fight to be able to be the ones who record in there, right? And, you know, we captured hours and hours of content just to showcase and transparently, okay, this is how Craig Wright thinks he's Satoshi. And you watched and you're like, wow, this is absolutely insane. And, you know, then when the court case came out and he was, you know, obviously hot or not won the trial, you know, Craig Wright still won't, won't accept it or Calvin Ayers won't accept it. Um, you know, we have to document it. That's a huge investment that we made absolutely no money on. Right. But like th this is an archive moment that we need to stop 
you know, you need to stop this guy from suing absolutely everybody, making everyone's life hell. Um, you know, and the best way to do that is to have proper reporting. And and other media outlets would never do that. They would just send out press release and they would, you know, Craig Wright's lawyer say, yes, I won this case. And they'd be like, he won? We don't know. So, I mean, having to sit there and spend weeks out, you know, in Norway and have our team that, you know, uh, weren't legal experts having to go through all this, you know, that was that was a that's some painstaking investment on, on our end that, you know, we're, we're proud to do, but you know, we have to find unique ways to monetize off that. So you guys are definitely hoping that Craig Wright doesn't sue anyone else. Cause then you have to do it all again. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's funny cause it's, it's the point where like, I keep trying to think, okay, do we make just a Wikipedia for all the people been sued by him? So all these lawyers can actually show everything that they have, because at some point he's going to run out of like bow dog money, you know, to, to, to sit there and, and keep suing people. But it's, you know, He's continuing now to get the things thrown out of court, which is what he is, because he is a joke, and that's what needs to be you know, made of it. So you hinted at a strategy of expansion, right? You said, uh, that's the reason we added Bitcoin Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a vision where you basically take this on the road and start doing shows all over the world? You'll be extremely busy and you'll never be home again, but it seems like that would be the natural path here if you're already expanding to Europe. Yeah, um, I think everyone in the company looks at our role within Bitcoin Magazine, the Bitcoin Conference, as we have a responsibility to the Bitcoin community. And, you know, as of right now, people take our content and translate it into multiple languages as it is. And that's a failure that we have not been able to do that ourselves. And so whether we've done licensing deals, franchise deals, trying to grow, because once again, we want not just taking our content and translating it. We wanted to have localized reporting. You know, we we opened an office in the Ukraine to handle the CIS and Ukraine Russian region before the war. So we could, you know, try to tell people, hey, because we knew what was going to happen. And like if you can at least save some of your money in Bitcoin, you know, now this is at least going to allow you. And once again, we have like meetups in Ukraine that happen quarterly. Um, at Bitcoin Magazine, we they published their first magazine print. I mean, they're absolutely motivating. Uh, 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 so, you know, and once again, part of it was because Ukraine was one of the highest uh, percentage of people that were actually using crypto. Uh, and that's why we opened it, opened that office two years ago. Um, but, you know, obviously a lot's changed. So even having an operation during a war, um, we have to grow. We, our company has to grow globally. Bitcoin is a global language. How lucky are we? It's a global language. So the community, it's a, it, it, there's so much value in how we interact. And when we went to Amsterdam and it was like a little less than 3,000 people, we had a smaller venue, obviously. It was wonderful. It had a totally different vibe. It had a totally different energy. Um, the community liked it. 75% of the people were from the Netherlands. And so we saw, okay, wow, a country can have something like this. And that was like one of the biggest Bitcoin-only events in Europe. Um, you know, I think that we want to continue to grow. We also want to continue to highlight the other great Bitcoin conferences. You know, it's like BTC Prague, you know, or Honey Badger. You know, there's some great conferences out, out in Europe. But, you know, for a lot of, we have a good base of community that we can interact with that follows our, our content. And also for new coiners, we want this, we want our conferences to be a type of place that if you're a Bitcoiner and your friends don't really understand it, you know, you won't be like, hey, come along with me to this, you know, and they could actually see, they can understand the community. And especially during a bear market where it's not just the bull market, everyone to get excited, let's buy Bitcoin. It's like, hey, you guys had a, you guys had a full on music festival in the backyard that any uh, person on the planet would enjoy, right? That wasn't for Bitcoiners. Yes. <laughs> correct, correct, right. Yeah, we had Steve Aoki and Dead Mao and you know uh, uh, Killer Mike and you know 
run the jewels. I think it was, it was, it was to bring people in. It's not, you know, Hey, these are Bitcoiners aren't these people in your mama's basement or buying Lambos, you know, like that's not, that's not it. Um, and it also made the Bitcoiners feel good. Like you were surrounded by a bunch of people having a great time and you're like, these are my people, you know? So even though maybe half of them were, the other half want to enjoy some good music. So we're going to come up with, you know, unique ways to, to bring you know, all these cultures together. Are there any, I know you're not doing the full-on music festival again this year at Bitcoin Miami, but are there any sort of, you know, outreach strategies like that that you're using to bring in other communities or is it really refocusing hard on Bitcoin this year? I think I think we have, we have something kind of uh, still up in the air to try to bring this a little bit more, the gen pop side of it. In terms of a bear market side where I think people are excited to hunker down a little bit, you know, and see what they're actually building. I think there needs to be the the honest recap of what what went bad and and how to avoid that. We have something like kind of our little Bitcoin Olympics going. So we have all you know, we 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 kind of sponsor and help over a hundred Bitcoin meetups around the country, around the world, and we're doing kind of these fun games with them. You know, everything from like the pizza eating contest because it's going to be you know near Bitcoin Pizza Day to you know uh, uh, cornhole. You know, using probably big bases of WEF members that you could throw cornholes in. Uh, 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 but, you know, a lot of these, you know, chess and a seed seed stamper competition. So, you know, part of that's just the community side of it. The Bitcoiners will, will always be there. Uh, uh, we're trying to create a little bit more kind of community engagement on on that end. So you're experimenting with something like that. And then also, you know, the the whole thing going on. And you, as you alluded to earlier, you know, our CEO, David, talking about with the, the trust and rege- redeemed GPTC, you know, we're going to have part of industry day, you know, we're going to have this kind of very pirate, you know, shareholder meeting of people that are not happy with, you know, what has been going on with um, Grayscale. And, you know, this is going to be the biggest meetup of uh, of shareholders in an unofficial event. And, you know, there's going to be some fireworks there. So uh, uh, that maybe leads into kind of the, the, the finance world. But in terms of the fun and culture world, Miami is a good time. So the nice thing is there's a lot of other Miami events that are going on that they're trying to attract our audience and our people to. So it's, you know, you're going to have fun down there. Uh, the question is how many Bitcoiners are going to be surrounded by? So uh, how can people get tickets and come check it out? Does it sell out? Is it over? Like, uh, can they still can they still make it work? What, what's happening now? Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for that plug. Um, look, people, to, yes, we're still going to be selling tickets. Um, you know, this will be, if not, this will be the, probably the second largest Bitcoin event ever. The, you know, this is already, even before we started the pre-sale was the third largest, uh, uh, Bitcoin event ever. So it's going to be massive, but tickets are absolutely still available. Um, you know, I think we, you know, we have our, there's the difference in the GA tickets, which is kind of two days and industry pass, which gives you the first day of kind of the industry events. You can go to, you know, B.TC which is a pretty great domain, but, you know, obviously the Bitcoin conference are over a handle. Um, and if you can use code BRRR, B-R-R-R, so money printable oh, three BRRR. R's. Three R's. Yes, three R's. I think that's the best code, but maybe look on our Bitcoin Magazine Twitter handle and you'll find probably better codes. I don't know. But obviously discount codes uh, are always important, um, but people should get tickets. And once again, it's it's in Miami, so... I apologize for the hotel prices. We don't own Miami yet. Um, but you know, that. I think we'll work, work on, that. on that. I try to get Miami a cruise Dow. boat. <laughs> I try to get a cruise, I try to get a cruise boat this year to like have a full cruise boat and just have like uh the rooms on there. 
but they wouldn't let me keep a cruise boat in port for three days. So I'm going to find a venue for next year. And so how are you Uh, doing it this year? So we'll be at the Miami Beach Convention Center again. Thank you. Um, So we'll be doing that uh, again this this year. And then uh, once again, there'll be events kind of all surrounding um, Miami. So that, that that's also very exciting. And, uh, you know, I think we'll have some also Bitcoin Pizza Day celebrations that will be coming up that we're excited to announce. Nice. And, and who are the speakers you're most excited for? Or panels? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there anyone that you're just super psyched to hear? We're going to see Kaiser ripping up dollars and making it rain or, I mean, what, you know, what do we got? Obviously. Well, so I think that's, you know, where Kaiser's been because you just follow literally the money trails of his ripped up money. <laughs> literally so, follow the money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll be there. Look, I'm excited about Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis has never spoke at a crypto event. He is the author of The Big Short, right? And Moneyball. Right. He's the one who was following FTX around, uh, uh, Sam Bankman fried let's, let's be clear here. This is the man who is going to write the book on what happened in this crypto crash. Every every I bet the options have already sold. They'll be turned into that movie. So oh. mainstream, mainstream. We'll be seeing what this guy thinks, uh, you know, like this guy will be the biggest influence on how mainstream looks at the crypto crash and FTX. And so he's never spoken at a conference. He's speaking at ours. You know, that's exciting. But also to me, I we want to influence him and show him the how Bitcoin is different than crypto. You know, like look at this community and see, you know, because I think, and we saw in the big short, he did a great job of showing, you know, a bunch of outsiders who thought the system was going to, you know, collapse. Uh, uh, I mean, he kind of, you know, I think a lot of people look at that uh, uh, book and 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 obviously the influence on what that movie had is, you know, this guy understands our people, but we also want him to to see really who what we're made out of. So I'm excited to see what 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 he does. Um, I think that's kind of probably one of my more my my the one I'm looking forward to most. Now, obviously, since I kind of run the part of it, I am stressed out nonstop. I don't get to see anything. But once again, on Bitcoin Magazine YouTube, you can watch every one of the panels. That's right. You can actually watch the whole thing. Yeah. Let's see that. That part of it is, uh, it's, it's huge. So awesome. Yeah, man. Well, I, I can't wait to, uh, join you guys down there. I haven't made, see, I'm going to be the guy who pays three times too much for a hotel because I've, 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 I might be on my friend's couch. That's okay. That's, that's the fun part about Miami. That's that's the spirit, the the real spirit of Miami. I used to live there and now I'll probably be on a friend's couch trying to get uh, tickets. I'll be begging you for tickets, you know, at the last minute. Well, that's okay. Well, thank you for having me on. I think we can work something out. And where where can everybody follow you after this conversation? Yeah, sure. So uh, it's very lame and non-Bitcoin-y, but Mike Germano is my name and that's where you can find me on things. So I'm at Scott Melker. It's very, very, very... Very uh, creative. You could, you could see our age. You could see we grew up in the social media side. But yes, at Mike Tremano, uh, uh on Twitter. And uh, once again, I really just want to, I, I would love to hear from people that want to do great journalism on Bitcoin. Um, you know, please reach out to me. Also, as we grow this company internationally, if that's something that you care about, please reach out to me. Um, um, that's the thing that I'm I'm most passionate about and want to try to find people why I'm excited to not just go on this podcast, talk to you because you're awesome and great. And I... And, and, and I love following it, but also for the people there that uh, I'm trying to reach out to that want to help us help us grow uh, internationally. We're always looking for those good people. So connect, happy to connect and talk some more. And I'm up on LinkedIn, guys. Uh, yeah. Mike, thanks so much. Uh, see you in Miami, man. Thank you. See you in Miami. 